Well, I, I want you to know that you picked a great day to tune in at Calvary. Uh, we started a series last Sunday called Different, right? They tell us this. They tell us that what we're experiencing in our world today, that, that our world is different, that it will, that as a result of COVID-19, that the world will never be the same again. Now, I don't know about that. I find that we tend to be creatures of habit and we tend to go back into our, our same routines and we tend to go back into our same ruts. And so uh, I don't know about you, but I, I, I believe this. I believe that just about as many people will shake hands once we're on the backside of this that are shaking hands now. And, and those, of, those uh, that are huggers will continue to hug. Uh, but there, there, might, there are likely some things that are, that are different, and, and uh, it's possible that it is a game changer. But this morning, I, I wanna talk to you about a real game changer. I wanna talk to you about real different. When, when Jesus was on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, there was a large crowd that developed, and, and having compassion on them, he began to teach, and, and Jesus gave this sermon. In the beginning of it, it's a, it's a series of statements that he makes that they're referred to as the Beatitudes. And, and when Jesus gave this message, it really was, it was one of those defining moments. It was one of those game changers. It changed everything. If, if the people who sat on that Galilean hillside, if they embraced what he said, if we in, in 2020, if we embrace what he said, it will, it will absolutely change the way that we view ourselves, the way that we view God, the way that we view one another, the way that we view the circumstances that we find ourselves in, the way that we even view difficulty. And this morning, what I want to do is this. I want to talk to you for a few moments on that statement that Jesus makes in Matthew chapter 5 when he says this, blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. God, as we take just these two moments to look at your word today, God, let it be truly a lamp into our feet, a light into our path. Help us to hide your word in our heart, oh God, that we might not sin against you. We commit this to you in the precious and the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you've heard this statement before. Uh, for me, there was, a, there was a moment in my life that this statement, that it proved to be very powerful. And it's the, it's the statement that big boys don't cry. Big boys don't cry. And uh, I, uh, I had that statement said to me as we were on the way to the funeral home for my father's funeral. I was seven years old. And my grandmother, thinking that she was doing something to help me, she told me this. She said, I want you to know, I want you to know, buddy, big boys don't cry. And as I walked into that, as I walked into that funeral home, that, that thought, it, it sank into the recesses of my broken heart. Big boys don't cry. It, it, it reverberated in a confused little boy's mind. Big boys don't cry. It, it snuck its way into the very depth of my being. This idea that, that big boys don't cry. It became, it became the way that I viewed life as, as, my, as my home life with the absence of a father as it drifted into greater and greater dysfunction. B big boys don't cry. So much so that I, I found myself disconnected from God. I found myself disconnected from people. I, I found myself unable to really engage in healthy emotion. 
because I, I'd embraced the lie that big boys don't cry. It's the, it's the Tom Hanks line from the movie A League of Their Own. There's no crying in baseball. And yet, in stark contrast, we have Jesus making this statement in Matthew chapter 5 when he says this, blessed are they that, that mourn. I was talking to Pastor Kevin this week, and he shared with me the moment in which he realized that with, with full measure what it means to mourn. And he was talking about a, 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 a little bit of time passed. Uh, he had lost a loved one, a bit of time had passed, and, uh, and he happened to be in a situation that reminded him of that loved one. And, and all of a sudden, the tears began to flow and the emotion just began to sweep over him. And he said, at, at that moment, at that moment, I, I understood what it, what it truly meant to, to mourn. And, and when Jesus makes this statement in Matthew 5, and he says, blessed are they that mourn, I want you to look at this a different way. Blessed are those who are honest about where they're at. Blessed are those who, 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 who connect, who relate on a real way. When, when we come to an understanding, blessed are, blessed are the poor in spirit, right? That's what it says the verse right before. Blessed are the poor in spirit. When, when we recognize that, that without divine intervention, we're, we're hopelessly and utterly lost, and, and we realize that the, 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 the sinful world that we live in and, and the sinful nature that we, we were born into, where that puts us, how it positions us, the, the, the normal response should be uh, not to take a guarded approach. We, we, see this, we see this throughout history. We, we see it certainly throughout biblical history. And, and, and here's what I love about, here's what I love about, about bi- the Bible. Here's what I love about uh, even the stories that we hear, even, even contextually today, of people having a genuine and an honest conversation with, with a God who, who they either know cares or as a result of that honest conversation, they discover that he cares. And then we can, we can go all the way back through, through the Bible. Moses, Moses is, is up on the mountain with God. And God says to Moses, Moses, I want you to know that I'm with you. And Moses responds, God, you better be with me because if you're not with me, I'm not going back down there. Right? I, I, love, I love the honesty in that. David, as you read through the Psalms, David, David has this, this honest, authentic connection with a living God, with a loving God. Talks about it in a real way. And especially when we find ourselves in times of difficulty, especially when we find ourselves in times of crisis, and, and they tell us that we're, that we're in a moment in history that it's, that it's a defining moment, that everything changes. Well, in the midst of this defining moment, it's critical that we have an, that we have an authentic relationship with God. That as we go to him, that we're not going to him in King James English, that we're, that we're not trying to embrace God in some polite religious expression. But there's an honesty there. In 1 John, it tells us this. It tells us 
that if we perceive that we have no sin, that, that we're actually self-deceived, that the truth isn't in us. But if we confess our sins, if we have an honest conversation with God about where we're at, then he is faithful. He's faithful. That's what Matthew chapter 5 says. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are they who come to God authentically. And oftentimes when we look at that scripture, we tend to focus on the blessed are they that mourn. But we don't take into account, and really the better part of that scripture, the better part of that sentence, isn't the blessed are they that mourn. The, the best part of that sentence comes after for. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be, they will be comforted. See, that's the promise of God. That's the faithfulness of God. And so that's the reason why I don't have to play games with God. That's the reason why I don't have to be politically correct with God. That's the reason why I can be transparent and be real with God. And what Jesus is doing in an environment that's highly religious and highly politicized, he says, I want you to do this. I want you to let your guard down and I want you to be real. I, I want you to understand where you're at outside of God. You are hopeless without him. And I want to encourage you to come to God just as you are. We see it over and over and over again. Actually, I, I talked about uh, a situation in, in biblical history in the Tuesday morning men's Bible study. And several people made the comment to me this week, not even knowing what I was going to be speaking on. They said, Pastor, you need to talk about that on a Sunday morning. And so what I want to do is I want to, I want to revisit, I want to revisit the story of this historical character. It's a guy by the name of Habakkuk. And Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets. And he's one of the minor prophets, not because Habakkuk is a minor person. He's one of the minor prophets simply because what he wrote was very, it was short, just a few chapters long. But what Habakkuk offers, it's a, it's a powerful, powerful message for us today. Because Habakkuk finds himself in one of those times in history, in one of those moments in history, where it's, it's very challenging. I mean, they're, they're going through incredible difficulty. And in that, he has this, he has this honest conversation with God. And I'll tell you, one of the ways that you know that you're having an honest conversation, and those of us who are parents Man, we can relate to this. We understand this. That moment when, when your child comes to you, right? And uh, it's not, hey, father. It's, it's look, I don't understand. And, and, and I, 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 what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And that's what Habakkuk does. We see this uh, in, in, in Habakkuk, the first chapter, and then going, into the, going through the end of the first chapter and into the second chapter. Habakkuk rapid fires these questions at God. Two series of four questions. So obviously, he is, he is irritated, he's confused, he's frustrated, he's anxious. And in the midst of it, he doesn't try to be politically correct. He just... He lays it out there, okay? So Habakkuk 1, here's how it starts. The, the, this, this prophetic book of Habakkuk, it starts with this. It says, the prophecy that Habakkuk the prophet received. And then he gets right into it. 
How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Or cry out to, to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. The law is paralyzed. Justice never prevails. And the wicked, him in the righteous, so that justice is perverted. It says, God, look at what's going on around us. I don't understand it. I don't get it. God, you're going to have to help me understand this because I believe that you're a God, but this doesn't make sense. I, last week, I, I read a, in one of the newspapers that I follow, I, I read a, a, a letter to the editor, opinion piece that the newspaper ran, a particular liberal newspaper, and they, they ran this editorial from this guy who said that COVID-19 is the quintessential example that God cannot exist. Because if God exists, then why? 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 And, and as I was reading this editorial, not in, not in judgment towards the person who wrote it, because I understand that they are, they're lost and they're confused. But I, I would have loved to have had a moment to speak into that individual's uh, situation, to speak into their circumstance, and to say to them, listen, the fact that there are questions about God to which you don't have the answer, that doesn't prove that God doesn't exist. It just proves that you're not him. That God is, there, there, there are elements of God that we will not understand. And there are questions that we have for which there is no answer. Now, I've found this, that the vast majority of the time that I go to God with questions, he'll answer. Oftentimes, we don't like the answer that God gives. And in Habakkuk's case, God answers. Here's, here's what it says, starting in the fifth verse of Habakkuk 1. God answers. He says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe if you were told. I'm raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter. Their, their horses are, are, are so I have to tell you this, so while I'm in the middle of this, somebody tries to call me on my iPad. So uh, their, their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than, than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified, fortified cities. By building earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. So here's what's happening historically. Israel is right in the middle of a skirmish between two pretty powerful armies. You have the Egyptians to the southwest, and you've got the, the Assyrians okay, to the southeast, to, to the east, and what, what God is doing is this, is God is bringing this, this group, they're actually the Neo-Babylonians, the Chaldeans, and God is bringing the, these, these Neo-Babylonians basically to come and, and to wreak vengeance and to put, a, to put a stop to all of the negative that's happening in, the, in, in, in that portion of the world at that time. And so, so Habakkuk says, God, I don't understand. Why are you allowing this to happen? And why are we facing this circumstance? And, why? and God says, look, I've got my hand on this. I have a plan for this. 
I'm using it. And Habakkuk goes, whoa, wait a minute. He does not like God's answer. In fact, here's what he says. He says, God, your cure is worse than the problem. This makes no sense to me. Look at what it says, starting in verse 12. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, my Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. But God, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? It's much like us and in, in, in what we find ourselves in today to go, wait a minute. God, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. I believe that your word says that by your stripes I'm made whole. I believe, God, and we sing the song, I believe, God, you're my healer. Why is it then that this virus is running rampant around the globe? I don't get it, God. It, it doesn't make sense to me. He says, why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? God, why are you allowing good people to perish? Isn't that the question of the skeptic today? Isn't it the question of the seeker? Quite honestly, isn't it the question of some saints? God, there's so much of this that I don't understand. I don't get it. But Habakkuk, in his, in his honest interaction with God, he's not trying to be politically correct. He's not trying to impress God. He's coming to God and saying, God, you need to help me because just honest, God, just fully open to you, this makes no sense to me. I don't get it. I, I, can't, I can't understand it. And what, what Habakkuk does, the way that he handles this, it is a great, great example for us. And here's what he does. Look at this, going into, going into Habakkuk 2. He makes this statement. He says, I will stand at my watch, or, or, or he, he, in some translations say this, I will climb the watchtower. And here's what we see Habakkuk doing. In, in the midst of the confusion, in, in the midst of all of the, the pandemonium that is his world, which certainly translates well into April 2020, in the pandemonium that is our world, in the, in, the, in the craziness, in the confusion, in the so many questions without answers. Here's the first thing that he does. He says, I'm gonna climb my watchtower. He says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna withdraw. I'm gonna step back from my routine and I'm gonna pull myself away from the busyness. So God, I'm not gonna be glued to the television for every news report. God, I'm, I'm not gonna take my, take my computer, take my iPad and be combing all of the news sites to find out what the latest information is on, on the counts of the people that are infected and, and have they found a, a vaccine or is there some sort of an immunity plan? God, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna I'm pull myself away from all of these voices. I'm gonna pull myself away from all these in, in influences. And I'm going I'm to withdraw. Uh, God, I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to create space in my routine. I'm going to create space in my life, God, to where I can hear you. 
And then, and then he says this. He says, I, I, will, I will stand at my watch and I will station myself on the ramparts. Or I will wait, he says. Uh, some translations use the word, I will wait. I will wait. And, and here's, here's what I want you to know. It's not so much that we have to wait for God to show up because God's, God's there. Oftentimes, this, this waiting period, the reason it's important, I withdraw from all the busyness, all the craziness, all of that. And then what I have to do is this, is I have to wait because I have to emotionally wind down. When I'm in the, when I'm in the midst of everything that's going on, I'm, I'm emotionally, intellectually, and I am spiritually, I'm amped up. And I'm just, I'm, I'm running so fast that it's going to be difficult for God to communicate to me. We understand that because we see that not just on our vertical relationship, the relationship between us and God. We see that in our horizontal relationships, right? Whether we're talking to a, a friend, a coworker, a spouse, a child. We've all been in that spot, right, where we're, where we're attempting to talk to somebody and they can't hear a word that we're saying because they're so wound up in what they're engaged in. And what we have to do is this, is we gotta, I'm, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you settle. Okay, let's talk. And so that's what, that's what we see Habakkuk doing. We see him withdrawing from everything that's going on around him and then and then he's waiting. And then he says something that I think is pretty profound. He says this, I'm going to watch to see, God, what you say to me. And, and here's, here's, I think, a, a critical understanding that we have to embrace. Is that, that God most often speaks in vision. That's when, when, when the prophecy was given uh, on the day of Pentecost. What did it say? It said, young men will have visions, old men will dream dreams. That's the way that God communicates. And the reason that God communicates to us that way is because we're visual. A picture is worth a thousand words. And oftentimes people will say this, they go, I've never heard God speak. And it's because what we do is we try to confine God speaking to us in this little box. And what we want is we want God with the voice of James Earl Jones to speak to us and say, I want you to know all is well, right? Or stinks to be you, my friend. One way, either way, God, and that's what we want. We want, but but. God, more often than not, and we see it all through, all through history, we see it all through biblical history, the predominant way that God speaks is he speaks in visions. He speaks in, he speaks in dreams. He puts us in a place where we, can, where we can grasp it and understand it. And so he says, I'm going to, what Habakkuk says, it speaks to us of the nature and the character of God. He says, I'm going to watch to see what he will say to me. And then, and then he does something that I think is, is, pretty, is pretty important. And he says this, I will, I, I'm gonna look and see how I'm to be corrected. Because here's what you can be confident of, that God in his disposition and God in his engagement in the situation is not wrong. And so I love the fact that Habakkuk says this, I will look to see what God says to me and how he corrects me. 
Even when I go to God with my frustrations, even when I go to God with my issues, even when I, when I go to God with my complaints, recognizing that he is very God of very God, that he is, he is omnipotent, he is omniscient, he is omnipresent, he is perfect. And so as I go to God with my questions, I'm not gonna change him, but here's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for, God, I'm looking for you to change me. God, I'm looking for you to settle my heart. God, I'm looking for you to settle my mind. And so as you withdraw from the craziness around you, and you wait, you give time to, to let all this manic activity cycle down. And then you expect God to speak to you visually. Welcome, welcome the correction that he brings. Because listen, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And God's not going to beat us up. God isn't operating guilt. But what he will do is he'll bring perspective and, and, and it'll cause us to go, I didn't see it that way. Right? I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see it that way. And then, then Habakkuk, he hears, he hears God respond to him. And here's what God says. God says, Habakkuk, I want you to write this down. So we, we withdraw. We withdraw from the craziness. We wait. We let ourselves cycle down from the busyness. We watch knowing that God is more than likely going to speak to us visually. We welcome the correction that it brings. We write it down. And, and whether we physically write it down or not, in many respects, is irrelevant it's important to us to understand that as God speaks, that he's not simply going to speak to us for us. He's going to speak to us in such a way that it has a ripple effect in our life, that it, that it positively influences our testimony. And here's the, here's the result, and you're going to find this is consistent. right? It's, con it's consistent in, in the Bible. It's consistent in, in what we experience anecdotally, it's, it, it, it's consistent in what we see throughout church history. Is that when we come to God with our frustrations, when we come to God with our fears, when we come to God with our concerns and our complaints, if we do this honestly with authenticity, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. You can be confident that if you embrace God in this authentic fashion, the authentic fashion that we see Habakkuk coming to God, that God's going to, he's going to move you to a place where there's, right? There's this maybe unexplainable, but definitely undeniable peace. This peace that goes beyond our understanding right? Transcends is the way that Paul calls it. That will guard both my heart, all the emotional stress, and my mind, all the mental stress that situations like COVID-19 bring, right? COVID-19, it brings all this emotional stress, brings all this mental stress. And what God brings to us is this peace of God that transcends all understanding that guards against both the emotional stress and the mental stress. And what's What's the natural response to that? Well, here's what we see. Here's, here's, how, 
Here's how Habakkuk's prophetic statement ends. And, and I, love, I love this, okay? The very last thing written in this, prof, in, in this prophetic book that we have, the book of Habakkuk, it says this, for the director of music on my stringed instruments. What is it? This, this, whole, this whole discourse that we find, the, the book of Habakkuk, this minor prophet, this book of Habakkuk, it's not a complaint. It's a praise. It's a worship song. It's a worship song that in essence, Habakkuk says this, I was frustrated and I cried out to God and I, I rapid fired all these questions at him and he answered and I didn't like the answer. So I rapid fired all these more questions and then God revealed himself to me in such a wonderful way as I, as I got away from the busyness and, and gave time to, to, for my mind and my heart to settle. And I looked and I leaned in to who he is and what he wants to say. And I was open to whatever it was that he wanted to communicate to me, even if it was correction. And I knew this, and God confirmed that when he spoke to me, it wasn't just for me. It was, it was, for, it was for all those that my life is able to influence. And so, yes, I go to God in frustration. I go to God in fear. I go to God with questions. I go to God with concerns. And here's what he does. He comforts me, which moves me to a place where I just, I have to worship him. I have to worship him for his wonder. I have to worship him for his faithfulness. And so I worship. That's, that's the promise of Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are they that mourn, for they will be comforted. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 1030 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.